Welcome to Dodgers Dogs. Casey Porter here alongside Austin Brubaker. Having internet problems here in Oklahoma. We are live, I know that. So, hey, I had everything set up about two hours early, and then the internet crashed about five minutes ago. Now it's giving me a yellow banner saying that I don't have enough video. So if I'm buffering a little bit, I apologize for that. Leave me a message as far as if, if this looks smooth or if everything's going good. So we have a, an audience already waiting on us. It's going to be a fun show tonight, Austin. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show, and I know tonight uh, throughout the Dodgers organization is kind of a big night. I know you're having perhaps a little bit of internet issues in Oklahoma. Uh, I decided to do something a little bit special to make, to uh, try to will on some of the members of the Dodgers organization and to help you out. So typically, uh, kind of what we what do you see by me? I'm always going to rep Great Lakes Loons gear. Great Lakes Loons tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to go with a little something a little bit different tonight. Uh, tonight's a big <laughs> night, and so we're going to be. Uh, I'm going to be repping the Oklahoma City Dodgers hat. Nice. So we're going to be uh, setting aside the loons hat, not setting them aside. Uh, but tonight's a big night for the Oklahoma City Dodgers. So actually, it have is. The game pulled up right over there, um, and so we're going to be we're going to have a fun time streaming. So excited to hear kind of what all the fans want to talk about because this is your time to kind of yep. dictate what the show is like uh it's gonna be a good night yeah it is and i do not have that oklahoma city game live and up so i'm gonna be asking you lots of questions i know oklahoma city had a good game last night kyle hurt was absolutely fantastic i had all of my numbers and everything all pulled up for for all these guys kyle hurt and and bobby miller and ryan pepio michael grove Emmett sheehan so hey dive into kyle hurt a little bit Oh yeah, get no, going. I mean, what can you say about Kyle Hurd? I mean, the Dodgers, uh, Dodgers fans had the opportunity to see him once in Los Angeles, um, but what Kyle Hurd was able to do last night in the start of the playoffs for Oklahoma City, um, just continuing to show what he's able to do. I know last week he was named the Dodgers Minor League Pitcher of the Year, something that mm-hmm. is incredibly valuable. Something of which we had been telling you that was coming. We'd been hinting to that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and that he is totally deserving of that award is because of his electric stuff because he has been able to repeat his delivery and because his stuff strikes so many batters out we talk about in this game especially pitching wise the game has moved more towards striking batters out uh, because you can get outs from that a lot he has the stuff to be able to do that at a consistent rate uh, and it's really awesome to see him be able to utilize the skills that he's showcased throughout the course of his journey. So extremely excited for Kyle Hurd, extremely excited that he has been a part of the Dodgers, that he's part of the 40-man roster, and that he will continue to be a part of this organization moving forward. No doubt about it. And, hey, this is going to be a really he- rookie-heavy postseason I don't think there's any way around that. Of course, you have Lance Lynn, you have Clayton Kershaw, you have some veterans in your bullpen, but as far as the starting pitching goes, you're looking at Ryan Pepio, you're looking at Bobby Miller, and then right now you have 14 pitchers on roster. That includes Michael Grove, that includes Emma Sheehan. That 14-man roster as of right now does not include Gavin Stone, does not include Kyle Hurt. So I think I think Alex Vesey is safe. So I think it's going to come down that last roster spot to Emmett Sheehan and Michael Grove. Am I accurate there, you think? That would at least be my inclination. So if you're looking yeah. at the actual Dodgers, uh, the actual 
rotation, the bullpen that they could be dealing with. You're going to have Evan Phillips. You're going to have Gratterall. You're going to have Ferguson. You're going to have Brazier. Uh, Shelby Miller has been pitching really good. Joe Kelly has the electric stuff. Let's say that you want to have Vesia in for a lefty matchup. Uh, then you have Yarbrough, who you're going to keep as well as a left-handed pitcher's. Uh, that's assuming Kershaw, Lynn, Pepio, and Miller are part of it. That's already twelve guys. You only mm-hmm. have room for one more, and the one more is either Michael Grove or Emmett Sheehan. Um, I've talked about it before. I talked about it in the show on Monday. I think it's going to have to do with whatever you think is going to match up best with your opponent. Went in a little bit deep into Milwaukee because I think Milwaukee is the most likely or at least the team that we could most likely see in the postseason. The Dodgers could most likely see. Uh, I think if it's Milwaukee, I th- and especially because it's a shorter game series, I think that might line up a little bit better with Michael Grove's skill set just because he's a little bit of a shorter stint. He can You can pull him back out there a little bit more. Whereas if you need a little bit more length, I think you would go with an Emmett Sheehan. That's at least what my analysis is. More than happy to hear what the fans think as well. Uh, kind of have the comments section pull yeah. up on your phone. Uh, I do not have good lighting in my room yeah. right now. That's something yeah. that uh, I'm going to uh, order you two lights. I promise you. I almost oh, yeah. got them ordered today. I'm going to send them to you. We got you a microphone. We got you the new camera. We got you the background. Now I'm going to get you the two lights that I use to light me up. So oh, then well, it's going to look perfect. It's yeah. going to look professional. We're going to be like we're on MLB Network now. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, absolutely it'll be legit. Yeah, well, that that's coming your way probably here before our Monday mailbag show. That's coming up. Okay, hey, Michael, thank you for joining. I totally agree about uh, Will Smith and and Caleb Ferguson. We need to talk about them. Let's start with Caleb Ferguson. Rough, rough outing. I've said, you know, I in fact, I posted out, tweeted out the other night that, hey, I like Caleb Ferguson in the opener role. For one, here, here's, you know, it, here's what it does for you. That opener role allows your, your what would originally be a starter, call them bulk inning guys, piggyback guys or whatever, that third time through, you know, if you want them to, to to get through that, then then you're looking at them having to start at the middle to the bottom of the lineup that third time through instead of starting at the top of the lineup. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're stealing three outs. Plus, I think that would be the best-case scenario for Caleb Ferguson. You hit on it last time, Austin. His ERA has looked okay this year. But the whip, though actually the ERA has been good, but the whip hasn't been good. So that tells you that it's been very stressful. There's been guys on base. It's just been you've been sitting on the edge of your seat with this guy all year. And when you're talking about the eighth inning to where if he does give up three runs, like he did his last outing, I believe it was three runs, and it's the eighth inning and that puts you down two, you're probably not going to have time in the game to come back. If he gives those three runs up in the first inning, then you still have all nine at bats. It maybe not all of that. It depends on if you're home or, vi- or visitors. At least eight at bats to overcome those three runs. So I think if you use Caleb Ferguson, it absolutely has to be in that opener role, even though he didn't look good the other night in that role. So I actually, so with that, um, I think there's a little bit of philosophy when it comes for this. So if you look at Caleb Ferguson, he actually has been used quite a bit. Uh, his role is mixed around between yes. low leverage, medium leverage, and high leverage roles. What those I mean, think right now as we speak, uh, that I was I was speaking from my opinion from right yes, now as we speak. Yes, yes, yes. And, and right now, obviously, his last outing did not go very well. Uh, but it's something where I think 
uh, the philosophy behind it is that first time that you're going through the order, the first time, that is where you can set your lineup exactly how you want it. You want to get those guys out because the first inning, I believe, is the highest run scoring inning in the game because it's exactly how you want to set the lineup up. Could change a little very a little bit year by year, but that typically is what it is. And so with that, I think using Ferguson, especially if they have lefty heavy at the beginning, at the top of their lineup, being able to shut that down, especially if you have a righty piggyback to go after it, I think is a good role potentially for him to have. But I think in the postseason, um, I think we kind of know where the rotation, at least what the four-man rotation likely is to look like. Uh, So with Ferguson, it's going to come to a question of, do you want to utilize him in that opener role like he did, say, perhaps in front of a guy like a Ryan Pepio, just to get him a little bit more comfortable with the bottom half? Or... And this is something that could be important because we know matchups are incredibly important, especially in postseason. Do you want to save him for a high leverage situation? So the question is, do you trust Alex Vesia or do you trust Caleb Ferguson in a high leverage situation? Assuming Yarbrough is there as kind of like a piggyback type out type reliever, although you could certainly use him against lefties. Uh, which one would you rather have in those high leverage situations, Ferguson or Vesia? If you use Ferguson right at the beginning of the game, you won't have him for late. Let's say against Milwaukee, you have a couple runners on and you need to get Christian Yelich out. Those are the types of situations that you have to be thinking about in the postseason, how you want to get these guys out. Uh, but I think using him as an opener because he has pitched a lot in high leverage situations, even though first inning nobody's on, that can make some sense with that. Yeah, I just don't think Ferguson's even in the outings that he's gone scoreless, which he's had scoreless streaks, you know, where he's gone like 13, 14 outings in a row, not giving up runs. I just don't. I just don't think he's ever been clean enough. I know there's a comment in here, no clean innings, and and I'll take that even further. I just don't think he's been clean enough to say, "Hey, we need a huge out in the eighth inning in the playoffs, and if he doesn't get this out, we're going to lose. We might not advance." I just don't know that he's been clean enough for me to just say, if I'm Doc and I'm the manager, just say, "Hey, run on out there, Caleb, get this out." I just, I don't yeah. know that he's been clean enough to do that. Yeah, and I think that I think that's totally fair. I think it's just going to come down to, do you trust? a guy who might be a little bit more reliable, who has had better numbers, or do you play what the matchup game is? And that's a philosophical question that Dave Roberts, the coaching staff of the Dodgers, is going to have to try to figure out. And I think it's going to probably come down to individually each one of the players that they go up against, each one of the players that match up against, and a feel of how their guys are doing in the exact moment. Will Smith, last seven games, 125. Last 15 games, 145. Last 30 games, 198. Is that a concern? I I mentioned before that I thought he would get the adrenaline back. I thought he would refocus because of the playoff adrenaline he would get. And, And let's hope that happens because it's been rough for the last month or so. Yeah, it's gonna it it is a little bit concerning. Just I mean, it's a 
long-term trend that we're seeing. It's not like a week, maybe two-week trend. It's something that has been happening for quite a while now. Um, and I think that has to do a lot with the wear and tear that this season has had on him. He's had to carry quite a big burden of being the main everyday catcher. Uh, and I think with that, we're starting to see some of that uh, kind of come into bear with him. Uh, but I think the buy that the Dodgers are going to have in the postseason could potentially help get him a little bit of a reset before the postseason actually starts. Talk about how if a guy's super hot, maybe you don't want necessarily that break because you want to continue on that role. It might actually come up, come of benefit for a guy like Will Smith, who maybe something is something is a little bit off in his swing. Perhaps he's just wearing down, so he needs just a little bit of rest going into the postseason. I think that actually could be a little bit helpful. Still something that's pretty concerning because he's a main piece of the lineup. Yeah, Hunter Fiducia, you know, hey, going back to uh, what was the what was the guy's name that the Dodgers they acquired and then DFA'd like uh, the, the catcher. I can't oh. remember that name earlier in the year. I, I, I can't remember. Earlier somebody, in the year? Yeah, uh, some, somebody will remember, somebody remember yeah, who it was. somebody will remember. But, but I remember just being so – I was talking about being so disappointed because that should have – in my opinion, that should have been Hunter Fiducia that got those five or six games that, that the Dodgers gave to a veteran catcher. And they did it so they would DFA him and they wouldn't have to DFA Hunter Fiducia and they would probably lose him at that point. But still having said that – I knew he wasn't going to get any major league time. I knew that was going to be his only chance unless Will Smith got hurt. And so that was very disappointing from that perspective. And then when you look at what Hunter Fiducia is doing in the playoffs, I'm trying to actually pull this up right now. My computer is not wanting to to cooperate with me. But he hit a home run last night. Hunter Fiducia has been playing very, very well in the postseason. So in a lot of ways, hey, it's been a great year for him. He's hitting, I think, 273. I looked it up last night. He has 12 or 13 home runs, something like that. His OPS is well over 800. So it's been a great year for Hunter Fiducia. Too bad with all this rookie movement. He hasn't been one of the ones that – he should have been the one that got brought up earlier this year. Too bad he hasn't been. Yeah, and speaking of which, Hunter Fiducia just hit a double – yeah. Uh, for the Oklahoma City Dodgers, just as you were speaking, uh, Austin Wins is the guy, yes. according to the comments that is brought up that yes. they had. So thank you for that. Uh, no, 100 Fiducia. Uh, with him, I don't think the Dodgers were necessarily planning on giving him some sort of chance unless something went incredibly wrong with Will Smith, uh, which is disappointing because he's been very productive for – uh, Oklahoma City, and he has proven that he uh, can take that mantle, that he is just about ready to make his major league debut, whether that comes to with L.A., whether that comes with some other organization. That I don't necessarily know. I think it comes down to their plan of what do they expect for the backup position, backup catcher position after this season. I'm sure they've had some thoughts with that, but I don't think – especially because their mind's on the postseason right now that they haven't yeah. made any sort of decisions in regards to that. Um, and he's, he's 26, he's, man. I yeah, mean, that's I getting older. I know. And that's, that's the tough thing about Oklahoma City with guys sitting in Oklahoma City is you can't keep them there forever because they keep getting older. And you what, you, what I hate having happen is those guys' careers just get wasted at yeah. AAA when they could – 
take the jump up to the yeah. major leagues on another team. And so with that, you're going to have to have some conversations um, as far as what is best for the Dodgers and what is best for Hunter Fiducia because yeah. I want what is best for both of them. I think Rule 5 getting picked up in the Rule 5 draft would be what's best for Hunter because Will Smith is obviously extremely talented. He's going to be around for a while. You have Dalton Rushing, Diego Cartaya, Yainer Fernandez, you know, Theron Lorenzo, Jorge Puerta, Jesus Galise, Carson Taylor, you know, and Griffin Lockwood Powell. So I think that probably would be the best scenario for yeah, him. And, and we've seen with the Dodgers guys, the guys that get picked up in the Rule 5 draft, there is life for them too. Yes. So a guy like Ryan Noda, he's been incredibly productive this season. And I don't think there would have been an opportunity for him in LA to be able to showcase his, showcase his skills. So a guy like Hunter Fiducia, um, whether there's a spot for him in LA, which I think would be best case scenario for him to be able to showcase his skills and the Dodgers, I think that's what we like. But we want also him to be able to produce uh, wherever he's able to go. And so I think with the Rule 5 draft, I think it's going to come down to a tough decision as far as do are they going to use one of the roster spots on him, mm. in which case I think he's more likely to make it up to the big leagues with the Dodgers. Otherwise, he's going to get an opportunity with another big league organization, which that's a win in and of itself as no well. Doubt. No doubt. And I think, you know, Sean's been preaching this for quite a while. He just mentioned it a minute ago. He would be the perfect case scenario to where if you needed a pinch hitter, say, in the seventh inning against the guy that has to throw strikes because there's guys on base and he's going to have to, so he's going to have to throw fastballs. If the guy's throwing, say, 95, 96, Hunter, Hunter Fiducia kills fastballs, he kills high velo. He would be the perfect guy to put in that role, and he's left-handed, and likely the pitcher is going to be right-handed. So you'd have a righty-lefty matchup. You'd have a guy that hits high velo against a pitcher that's going to have to throw high velo fastballs to throw strikes to get him in the zone with. And so it's been disappointing that the Dodgers haven't figured out a way to, to let Hunter Fiducia see if he can you know play at the major league level or not. I know he can. We all yeah. know he can. Yeah. If you can play at the triple-A level the way he's, he has, you know yeah. that there's major league talent there. So I think yeah. that's been a little bit disappointing in a year with, with the rookies. Yeah, no, it's been a little bit disappointing, especially because he has incredible plate discipline, too. You look at some of his numbers at AAA this season, he has 15% walk percentage mm-hmm. and then just about a 21% strikeout percentage. That will play. That yes. plays in the big leagues as there is just a home run for Oklahoma City to put them up 5-1 to one just who right now. Who hit it? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know exactly who hit it. Uh, I'll figure that out. In we'll just find a out here in a second. Yeah, we'll find out in just a second. Uh, it was uh, – take a guess. Uh, take a guess. I'll give you I'll give you one guess as far as who hit the home run. John DeLuca. Uh, he hit the first one earlier today. But okay. somebody who's been very successful for the Dodgers – this season the, at the minor league level. Uh, well, Michael Bush. <laughs> it was Michael Bush. Yep, Dodgers minor league hitter of the year. Just hit a three-run home run. Uh, super uh, happy for him. Uh, puts the Oklahoma City Dodgers up 5-1. Yep. But yeah, yeah, no, I know. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, Austin. Yeah, I was just going to take it back to Hunter Fiducia. He has a high floor with his ability to control the strike zone. And so I think with that, I think that provides a little bit of a good base for you to 
for you to have. And then when you supplement that with power, with the ability to put the ball in play pretty well with his ability to hit those line drives, hit fastballs, I think that can play pretty well at the big mm-hmm. league level. I think he's got a really good floor, especially with his ability to be a left-handed catcher. Uh, just something that is incredibly unique or, or pretty unique for him to be able to showcase. And that's something that's going to be very valuable for other teams. So if the Dodgers aren't going to value it, then some other team will. Yeah. Just got through talking to a left-handed hitting catcher on, what was it, Sunday, Simon Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm I getting ready to release his, his, uh, his feature. And I just about have that written. Have his interview already released. What a cool dude, huh? Oh yeah, no. He he sounds like a sounds like an incredible human being, and sounds like a really fun baseball player to watch too. Yeah, no doubt. He was with Rancho Cucamonga last year. Grew up in the SoCal area. Yeah, Dodgers need to give Will Smith some rest. I think. I don't. I mean, of course, you know, just like Clayton Kershaw, he's on that college plan once a week. You need to have enough at bats to where you don't just you know you don't want to get out of rhythm. You want to stay sharp enough, but you do need rest. So that's kind of a tricky. Kind of a tricky situation. So, how much rest did you give Will Smith for the last week? I, I yeah, I think that I think that's a serious question because ultimately, what are you playing for for this past week? You're trying to see who's ready, and you're trying. Perhaps you want to get to that 100 win mark. I'm sure that would be nice to look back on the season at 100 wins. But would you rather have 100 wins, or would you rather have Will Smith ready for the postseason? Yeah, have Will Smith ready for the postseason every single day. Plus, I think the Dodgers can win games even without Will Smith, especially because mm-hmm. he's not at his 100% capabilities. Uh, so I think with that, I think it is totally reasonable and I think probably a good thing if they're able to give him some rest uh, over the next couple of days. Although he will have some rest leading up into the division series that will be coming up since the Dodgers will get that uh, number two seed in a bye. Yeah, and Craig asked why didn't Michael why hasn't Michael Bush's game played at the major league level? We were talking about 72 at bats over six months. I mean 72 at bats at any level over six months there's no way a guy's going to be able to get comfortable. And I've said many many different times about Michael Bush. He's always a slow starter at the next level he goes to. It takes him a minute to get adjusted, and then once he gets adjusted, you're like, holy cow, this guy's really good. So, I mean, I have been warning people, I think you would know this, Austin, I've been warning people for quite a while that if you're just going to just throw Michael Bush in there every now and then, give him a pinch hit, or maybe a game, then two games off, you're not going to get a good Michael Bush. That's just not the way that he operates. He has to have every day at bats. It has to be consistent. He has to know that he can go over and be in the game the next night, and then he has to get comfortable from that perspective. Then after about a week or two of him getting comfortable at that level, that's when he really takes off. He never has been given that type of runway. When he gets that type of runway at the major league level and he he knows that he's going to play 155 games, whether he strikes out or not, and he's able to relax and get comfortable and define his role from that perspective, that's when you'll see the real Michael Bush. Yeah, and I think that's what you see with a lot of these guys. If you give them a chance to prove themselves a little bit of grace period in that as well to be able to grow because the Dodgers have so much talent on their team. They don't have to rely on a guy like Michael Bush to Mm -hmm. produce in order to be successful. I think it's important for them to be able to give 
him the runway to be able to figure out major league pitching because there is a jump between AAA mm -hmm. and the big leagues. That is Absolutely. that is incredibly difficult, and it's important to give these guys time to be able to adjust. We've seen it at the minor league level, him be able to adjust to the level of competition that he goes up against. And it, he's not just a good hitter because uh, he's in AAA. He's not just a good hitter because he's in the Pacific Coast League. He's a good hitter in spite of that as well. He goes above and beyond. He has, what, a 140-something WRC yeah, plus right. in the Pacific Coast League. It's not he's been, he's not just putting up racking up numbers because of that league um eventually that's going to translate to the big league level at some point if you if you give him the proper run time if you give him the proper opportunities to be able to showcase that skills uh i truly believe that he will be able to prove himself he'll be able to be successful we've just seen so much success in the minor leagues um to where it wouldn't make any sense why that wouldn't translate to the big leagues, mm -hmm. especially with some of the um, the batted ball profile, some of the plate discipline that he has. Uh, I fully expect that to translate eventually to the big league level. He just needs to make some adjustments. Yeah, Tamatley brings up a great point. Here's a perfect example, okay? Just go back to the beginning of this year in spring training. He was like one for his first, what, 13 or 14? And then look at the end of spring training whenever he actually got like – seven or eight games in a row to play in. Then he started just absolutely getting, getting smoking hot towards the end of spring training against Major League Pitching, and then he got sent back down. So that's that's just kind of been Michael Bush's year this year. So, hey, I will defend that. I will defend that stance until the cows come home. Uh, there's, I've you know, hey, I've, I barked up James Outman's tree. I barked up Ryan Pepio's tree, all these guys. But I'm telling you, man, I will stand behind my statements on Michael Bush until the cows come home. I have seen him going all the way back to North Carolina. I've talked to his Cape Cod coach, who's a good friend of mine, Tom Holliday, the whole Holiday family, of which Tom Holliday, by the way, is the grandfather of Jackson Holiday, who was the number one prospect or number one draft pick in, in, in the 2022 draft, who has already made it up to AAA. He, is the, he was the head coach at Oklahoma State. He was the assistant coach at Oklahoma State when they built the, the dynasty in the 80s. He was the pitching coach at Texas when they won a couple of World Series, pitching coach at NC State. He was the Cape Cod coach of Michael Bush uh, about seven or eight years ago. He will swear on the Bible to Michael Bush. You talk to you know to Mike Fox, who coached him in, in college. He will swear on the Bible to Michael Bush. You talk to anybody, talk to Scott Hennessy, talk to anybody who has managed Michael Bush. They will swear on the Bible to him. I've seen him enough where I will swear on the Bible to him. So hey, that's a guy that I will stand next to, and I will I will I will stand behind my statements. All the way. Okay, so that's a good point there, Tomatley, about the spring training. I actually had forgotten about that. Bush and Stone in a Burns trade. Okay, would Milwaukee actually take that, that trade, uh, Michael Bush and Gavin Stone, for Corbin Burns? Yes, they would take that in a heartbeat because I think Corbin Burns, after next season, will be a free agent. So that might actually be an overpay for the Dodgers. Um, if you're giving up both Gavin Stone and Michael Bush, two young, controllable uh, players for a for as much of a talent as Corbin Burns is, he only has one more year before he gets free agency. You'd assume that the Dodgers would work out some sort of extension if they're willing to give up Bush and Stone. Uh, but with that, um, 
they're two guys who you might have some question as far as their future. There's probably going to be some openings for both of them just with some free agency. Uh, the question is, what type of role do the Dodgers see? Do they see them more as depth as they have been this past season? Do they see them having main roles on this roster? Um, that can be a serious question, but I think those are that's an interesting idea because that would give both Gavin Stone and Michael Bush an opportunity to succeed and get some of that run time at the big league level in Milwaukee in an environment where Milwaukee has been successful over the past half decade or so. Um, I don't necessarily know if I'd make that trade uh, if I were the Dodgers, uh, just because I would see that as a lot, but I would certainly consider that. Depends on if you're going to pick Max Muncy up again. And if you have plans for Max Muncy more than just next year, the year out, I mean, Muncy has been a monster this year, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no pressing need to go get another third baseman. You know, maybe if you think about Michael Bush as a second baseman, you know. Yes. So, I mean, there, there's there's variables to that. I think the outfield thing is out of the question for him. And Boris, Sean says, is a, is a Burns, a Boris client, so extension might be unlikely there. Yeah. And so, hey, Ryan Pepio is another guy kind of like Michael Bush. You know, hey, when he first came up, pressed a little bit. He was trying to strike everybody out, trying to be too fine with everything he threw. Next thing you knew, it seemed like every count was 3-0, and although he got himself out of most of those jams. The ERA was good last year. You know, hey, as he's gotten more comfortable this year, again, that just goes to show you, the more runtime you give these these rookies, the more comfortable they get. You start seeing what, what everybody else has seen with these guys as far as their talent. You've seen that from Ryan Pepio this year. I believe he had eight strikeouts yesterday, one walk. I mean, that's been yeah. pretty much a theme for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's been a theme for him, and he has become one of the most reliable arms on the staff ever since he's come back from injury, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I don't know if a lot of Dodgers fans expected from him. I think he's been at the big league level with the adjustments that he's made, with the injuries that he's fought through for a lot of Dodgers fans, an unexpected surprise, but when you look at a lot of his minor league career, his minor league trajectory, we've seen this inside of him. We've seen these abilities inside inside a lot of these guys, which I think is why it's important, why we cover a lot of the minor league system, Mm -hmm. because we get insight into not just, we get insight into these guys and we get insight into the future that they might have. And I think the best way that you're going to know what somebody's going to do in the future is by actually sitting down and actually watching what they're able yes. to do. So we're not completely surprised by why, by what Ryan Pepe has been able to do. Uh, but it certainly is a piece that the Dodgers desperately needed, especially because they weren't able to get that front line starting pitcher at the trade deadline better to have one just kind of rise up from your system and be able to be a reliable arm. Um, and yep. I think that's been a really positive development for the Dodgers. Yeah. So Ryan Pepio, hey, got to see him when he first came up to Tulsa. Got to see him when he made the transition to Oklahoma City. He struggled with that transition. And then in both scenarios, after, you know, a little bit of run time and, and after he got comfortable at the level he was at, where his feet were at at that moment, then he started dominating again, doing the exact same thing. And, you know, the history repeats itself with these guys. You know, some guys are slow starters and then you have to give them run time to figure it out. So some guys like James Altman, you know, when James Altman came up to double A two years ago, you got to see him in high Great Lakes, which would have been 2021. 
Mm-hmm. That last month, he was with High A Great Lakes. And then the first, well, basically the rest of that year, he came up at the beginning of August. I mean, he was just absolutely on a tear. James Altman has come up at every level and been, he's had his hair on fire at every jump that he's made. So there's been no transmission period for him at any level. The same thing happened at the major league level as well, whereas Ryan Pepio, Michael Bush, you know, Miguel Vargas, another guy that, hey, doesn't matter, just jump him from what level to the next. He, he's always been a guy that's hit. Now, Major League obviously has been different, which mm-hmm. I think that's why it surprised everybody so much this year that he struggled. If you follow Dodgers Daily, I gave you some hints on him earlier this year. A couple of our shows we did, Austin, that I felt like he was a little loopy with his swing. I felt like that the bat speed wasn't quite what it needed to be and I was worried even having seen him at the double-a level and having seen him at the triple-a level that major league pitchers were going to be able to beat him inside it's not that major league pitchers throw harder it's just the fact that they can actually hit that spot on the inner half way more times than a guy at the double-a level can and I think that got into Miguel Vargas's head I think that was a hole in his swing that he came to the major leagues with and the major league pitchers exposed him and he's really had to to work to to cover that inside part of the plate yeah and that's certainly something that he's going to have to continue to work on and this is something throughout the process of minor league baseball these are why these guys don't just get called up immediately because they have to work on a ton of different aspects of their game they have to learn to adjust as they go about i think with miguel vargas there's just certain holes that mm-hmm. major league pitchers will Gotta always be able to take speed. advantage of Yes, and and major league pitchers will take advantage of whatever weakness that you can have with more consistency than what the minor league level minor league levels will be able to take advantage of that weakness. Yeah. And so throughout this off season coming up with Miguel Vargas, uh, I still see a ton of talent in there. I still love that uh, swing that where he's able to hit to the right center gap where he's able to get on base uh i love a lot of the skills that he has he's just gonna have to work a little bit on making some proper adjustments and putting the work in to try to come back major league baseball is about making those adjustments Mm -hmm. we've seen james altman be able to make adjustments on the fly when he's struggled a little bit throughout the course of this season we're gonna have to see that with miguel vargas going into this offseason of course he's still got the uh playoffs at AAA to worry about and we want them to be successful there yeah Hep C says uh, who would have thought that Pepio would be better than Dylan Cease and hey Austin you'll testify to this I made that statement about mm-hmm. five different times whenever we were ta- at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. Hey, I wouldn't trade any of these guys straight up for Dylan Cease. I think they're all better than he is. I think they all have. First of all, I think right now they're better than he is. And second of all, I think they definitely all have more upside. So that was actually a statement that I made more than once before the trade deadline on our programs when we were talking about Image Sheehan, we were talking about Ryan Pepio. And we were talking about Bobby Miller. I made the statement I would not have traded any of those three straight up for Dylan Cease this year. I can testify to that. And that comes with some of the challenge of what you have. You have to know kind of the talent that you have. Um, That's not to say that Dylan Cease is an untalented pitcher at all. He is a very talented pitcher. uh, But that is just to testify to what we've seen from a lot of these guys and the talent that we know a lot of these guys have and the talent 
clearly that you were able to see in guys like Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller and such for, uh, and so with trading at the trade deadline, I think it can be, and especially in like free agency as well. I think it's easy to go into the trap of, we have to make some sort of move. Yeah. Sometimes you don't always have yep, to make correct. that move because especially if you have the intra- infrastructure and the talent that the Dodgers have in their system, you want to make the wise move. You want to make the decision that's going to be best long term. So I think I think the Dodgers actually did a good thing by not panicking and immediately going after and overpaying for somebody at the trade deadline because they have the talent down in their farm system, which mm-hmm. for Ryan Pepio has translated to the big league level at this year, and they're certainly pleased with that. We've been talking about pitching. We have our catcher that just joined us. Mike just joined us. Good evening to you as well, Mike. Thank you again for your your mailbag question. Also, Sean sent one in. Jason, a couple of in. Hey, if you have mailbag questions, DM me, leave a comment. And, hey, also, while we have a good crowd here, go over not just on the on the chat here, but go over just on the regular video. Make sure and like it and leave a comment, even if it's thanks, guys, or whatever. The more interaction just on the regular part of this, whether it be comments, likes, of course, we'd love it if you'd share this video too. But the more that that happens, the more YouTube thinks that it's being viewed. And then the more that it gets suggested, the more it gets seen, the more we can grow. So if you would, go yeah. on over there and give it a like in the regular part of this video, a regular comment as well, not just in the chat, and help us out from that perspective. So good evening, Mike. Great to have you. Remember the Phillies wanted Seeger, Jock, and Julio for Cole Hamels, yeah. Hey, I actually, you know, I've been to Wrigley Field one time, Austin. Oh, yeah. And Wrigley Field, obviously iconic. And I'd always wanted to go there, right? And, you know, I, I grew up watching WGN. The, the the Cubs and the Braves were the two teams, and, and the Cardinals, the three teams, I guess. And the Rangers, four teams. But really, the Cubs were, were the team we got the most because WGN was everywhere, right? So I always wanted to go to Wrigley Field. Finally went to Wrigley Field, went to Wrigley Field one time. Guess what year it was? Ooh. 2015, and guess who was pitching? Who was Cole pitching? Hamels, and guess what happened? Oh, look, he threw just, a no-hitter. <laughs> the one time the, you, I've been to Chicago, Cole Hamels was pitching for the Phillies, and he threw a no-hitter. So every time wow, I, I hear that. that name, that's the first thing I go to. And the Phillies wanted Seager, Jock, and Julio for Cole Hamels. So, yes, you know, hey, some of the moves, you hit on it just a minute ago, some of the moves that you, the best moves you make are the ones that you don't make. Yes. And yeah, no, that's, that's, a fu- that's a funny story. You being able to be there at that no hitter. Yeah, no, uh, you have to be smart. You have to be wise. You have to know who your players are because players, because other teams are going to be trying to get talent. It's a race for as much talent as possible. That's why Baltimore has been successful because they've acquired a ton of talent at the minor league level uh other teams are going to try to poach and try to get whatever talents you get um you don't want to overreact you want to be level-headed when you're a part of the front office and when you're making decisions that impact your ability to win games yeah and this is a great question. I love these kind of questions. Okay the first wave of rookie pitchers have been unbelievable Bobby Miller Ryan Pepio Michael Grove, I think you can throw in there. He's throwing his yeah. last two outings have been. I think when you put him, he, they finally find the right role for him. 
I don't think being a three-pitch guy, starting trying to get six innings out of him is the way to go with him. I think you let him maximize that fastball, get it up to 98 miles an hour, throw the left-turning cutter, and then you know he has that knuckle curve as well that he can flip in just to keep hitters off his fastball. I think in a one-two inning setting against the right matchups, we've seen Michael Grove is fantastic. I think you could put him in that category as well. So the first wave has been unbelievable. Kyle Hurt, he's made it up, so let's not put him in the first wave. Yep. Let's put him in the second wave. I think when I say wave, I mean he's going to get extended run time. I don't think there's any doubt about it. The Dodgers are now going to put him on the 40-man roster. Uh, well, fact, they have he already. Is. He yeah, already is, yes. He, yeah. So he's already protected from the, 40, from the Rule 5 draft, which means that he's going to get significant run time next year, which is super exciting. I'm sure that if he doesn't make a postseason roster, that will be disappointing for him. But still, huge future. Super excited about what he's going to bring. So let's talk about him. And then as far as starting pitchers go, you know, you've already had Gavin Stone, who who is in the – we've talked about he's in the middle of making adjustments. He will make those and, and get back on top. Okay, so your next wave is Nick Frasso, River Ryan, Ronan Kopp, Maddox Bruns, Justin Robleski. Three of those guys are left-handed. I think Ronan Kopp makes the major leagues next year as a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to hit 100 miles an hour between now and 365 days from now. He's already reached 99. I'll be very interested when he gets to, tri- to, to, to AAA to see exactly, you know, that's when you first get to see their metrics, to see exactly how, you know, because the Midwest League radar guns sometimes that are, who knows? I mean, had Maddox Bruns throwing 101 mile fastball earlier this year, right? <laughs> okay. And we know, I mean, he was, he can throw some heat, but it's not yeah. 101, yeah. right? So I'll be interested to see his metrics. So I think. The next wave that's most imminent will be Nick Frasso and then River Ryan, who River Ryan is just, his stuff is just lights out off the charts. Doesn't throw enough strikes yet, though. So, you know, all these guys, Kyle Hurts in the same case, you know, Ryan Pepio was in this same scenario, you know, to where if they can just harness the strike zone, their stuff is so electric. Bobby Miller, I've mentioned this on our show a couple of times what's been so why I've been so confident in these rookies is their stuff is so good they don't have to rely on 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 external factors they know if they just pitch and make the pitch that they're supposed to make their stuff is good enough to get any hitter and get in the game of baseball out Bobby Miller mentioned that last night about Coors Field hey all I got to worry about is just making the pitch I'm supposed to make, and then they won't hit it from that point. That's a lot of confidence. And so the guys that, that are pitched like that, Ronan Kopp, Justin Robleski, Maddox Bruns, uh, River Ryan, Nick Frasso, those guys are just like the ones we've seen. When they execute their pitch, they get out, period, in a discussion. They're all bumping yeah. you know, close to 100 miles an hour. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. And that comes down to a philosophy that the Dodgers have as far as pitching-wise. They like that stuff over command because they believe they can work with these guys to try to adjust with command. And I've seen that throughout the course. Obviously, you mentioned some of the guys, but just league-wide with the loons, just their overall philosophy – Obviously, I'm a big stats guy, and so I do my own numbers. I've still got I've still got work to do on some of the other leagues and stuff, but I've been doing some numbers as far as Midwest League. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the ability for the Great Lakes Loons, Dodgers High A affiliate, of being able to get strikeouts, yeah. um, there's or at least there's swings and misses. 
let's go ahead and go to swings and misses. Um, that is 13% better than the Midwest League average. Nobody, mm-hmm. no other team is even close. I think the other team that's closest is 5% yeah. uh, above league average, meaning they're getting a ton of more swings and misses, meaning mm-hmm. their stuff that they have, even though they don't necessarily throw as many strikes. We've seen some of the walks with some of these guys be a little bit of an issue. They're still able to get swings and misses, which as we've seen at the big league level with a guy like Bobby Miller, when he's able to harness that, he can be extremely dominant and effective. And I think with all of these guys that you mentioned, River Ryan, Nick Frasso, two guys with electric, great stuff. If they're able to harness their, uh, harness their control, harness and be able to control where the pitches are going and, and be able to, further adapt to the art of pitching, um, they're going to be extremely successful. Go down to the lower levels. You mentioned Ronan Kopp. Um, He's going to be, I mean, he's working. He'll be in the Arizona Fall League. I'm sure we'll have some coverage as far as that goes for a bunch of different guys who will be in the Arizona Fall League. I know he, uh, speaking to some people that are close to him, he's going to be working on doing a whole bunch of different training this offseason, just getting Mm -hmm. ready. Um, If the Dodgers decide to utilize him in that bullpen role, um, just from experience watching him over this past month, he's going to be dominant. He's going to be up quick, especially with his left-hander. I think next year. Yeah, I think I and with that, um, I think you look across major league baseball, you think you look across minor league baseball. I think there's this move a little to move some of these arms up a little bit sooner. Some of that has to do with the prevalence of injuries that has been up. Uh, But I think that also is a little bit of a philosophy shift, too. And I think with Ronan Kopp, you could potentially see him moved up a little bit quicker. Um, And then with some of the other arms that you mentioned, there is an additional wave that is coming of pitchers that are going to help this Dodgers staff, which is why it's important not necessarily to panic. It's important to think wisely during this offseason coming up. Obviously, we can't overlook the postseason, but overlook that just a little bit during this offseason to not overthink and overspend um, in panic. You have to make sure that yeah, you have to make sure that you're making wise decisions and trying to figure out who's going to be best because you do have options in house for uh for that and as we've seen this season they do have a lot of talent and a lot to provide the dodgers can still win 100 games when they're relying on or when they have these rookies to supplement to the roster the dodgers already have yeah, don't forget Gus Varland. He got injured. He his stuff. I think people saw. I had been posting for about a month before he got pulled up. His stuff is major league stuff. When you talk about the movement on it, it was ninety eight. His slider was big time. But the two most eminent lefty relievers, just to kind of address Hep C's issues here about the Dodgers addressing the left-handed relievers, the two most eminent lefty relievers are in Triple A right now. That would be Alec Gamboa who has reached as high as 99 this year. He's had a – his last outing wasn't his best, obviously, but he's had just a tremendous year this year. John Rooney's made a million different adjustments, Six foot five reliever. He's lefty as well, has the best pickoff move in all of the game of baseball. He's had a tremendous year. He's added his changeup back in. So, you know, they moved him to an east-west guy, gave him a cutter and a two-seam, eliminated the four-seam, 
eliminated the changeup. So he still has the cutter, still has you know the two seam, but now he's added his changeup back in. So he has a three pitch mix, and it's it's funny just watching baseball savant. Every time he pitches, it gets it so wrong what his pitches are. I, I can't even really post on it because it lists his pitches like as a four seam and a curveball. And it's like he doesn't even have those pitches, right? Okay, so you're going to see Alec Gamboa. You're going to see John Rooney next year at the major league level. That's if they don't get picked up in the Rule 5 draft, if yes. they don't get protected. And then I think you're going to see Ronan Cops. I think those are your three lefty relievers that are the most imminent to the major leagues. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right about that. And the Dodgers are gonna have to make decisions of very important decisions as far as who they want to protect protect for the rule five draft coming up out of the off season. They'll have about a month or so, a couple of weeks, uh, to make those decisions. And John Rooney, Alec Gamboa, two very worthy two guys that very likely are going to make their debuts at some point next season, whether that comes for the Dodgers or whether yeah. that comes for some other team that if they decide to pick them up, um, I think it's going to be important. But those are your two guys that are the closest. And then Ronan Cop, he can just explode, especially yeah. with the new role that he has. Um, he's going to be somebody that's going to move up real quick. Yeah. I wish they could call one of those guys up and leave Vessia off the playoff roster. I hear you, Hep. Vessia has been better lately, though. Mm-hmm. I think he's been better than Ferguson lately, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And Vessia, I think there's certainly reason to be of concern, especially towards the beginning of the season where he was really shaky. Uh, he has been better 